Thank you, Turner. Uh, I got to take a cup of coffee before I get choked up here. I'm kind of proud of our worship leaders sometimes. Mary, did you know? Not just when he was born, but how about that time when he was 12 years old and you were in Jerusalem and he was confounding the religious leaders? Did you really know what was going on? Hmm. Mary, did you know? How about when we went to your relative's marriage in Cana and they messed up and didn't have enough wine for the celebration? You told him to take care of it. Did you really know what he was going to do? And then he moved out. They went over to Capernaum and lived with Peter and you were getting reports back from all these things that were happening. You know, that, that lame guy that they dropped down through the ceiling and he got up and walked out. And he was preaching out on the, on the hillside and the people got hungry and he produced enough food to feed 5,000 people. Did you really believe those reports or did you think some of them were exaggerated like the rest of us did? Mary, did you know? Did you know what was really going on? And then that last trip to Jerusalem, you went with him. He'd been talking about being killed, but Mary, did you really believe that's what was going to happen until you stood at the foot of that cross and he told John to take care of you the rest of your life because he wasn't going to be here? Mary, did you know? You know, how many of you would, I've thought about this many times, would just love to have had a day to interview some character in the Old Testament or in Scripture? I'd love to have spent a day with the Apostle Paul. He fascinates me. He's grumpy and grouchy and he would have fit right in with me. Or the Old Testament person, Samuel. I would love to have spent time with, you know, growing up with the priest Eli. How was that for a little kid? And then the frustration of putting up with King Saul. But you got to anoint David as the king. So many questions I would have for some of these people. Hmm. Or David. Yeah, I'd love to have interviewed David for a day. You remember when we had the the presentation of the chosen? I enjoyed that. Once my feeble mind finally realized that they were jumping time scenes, you know, they they were telling about the birth of Jesus, and then they were talking about Mary when she was an older woman and talking from the other side of it and looking back. That's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to take a look back. We're going to play what if. What if I'd done something a little different? What if this wouldn't have happened? How would my life today 
be different? What if? Uh, how is 2022 going to be different, better than 2021 was? We're going to look at the book of Ruth. <laughs> Get your Bibles out. It's only four chapters, so it's only a couple pages. It doesn't take up much room. It's right after the book of Judges. We're going to look at the first seven verses of the book of Ruth. And we're going to say, what if? What if things had been a little bit different? You know, there's only two books in Scripture that are named after women. Ruth is one of them. And the other one is the book of Esther. And it's interesting because in one of them, we see a Jewish girl who marries a Gentile king and makes a huge impact on the nation of Israel. And in the other one, we see a Gentile girl who marries a wealthy Jewish man and makes a huge impact on the line of David ends up being the great-grandmother of King David. Okay, I've given you enough time. You should have the book of Ruth. Uh, it's a story about love. It's, one of the, it, it's probably the greatest love story in Scripture. We're not going that far this morning, though. We're only going to look at the very first of it. It's a story of love, redemption, and grace. Okay, Verse 1, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man from Bethlehem of Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kelon. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. And they married Moabite women, one named Orpah. By the way, as she tells it, Oprah Winfrey's mother intended to name her Orpah but she misspelled it on the birth certificate is the reason it came out as Orp. And the other was named Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kelon died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. You suppose Naomi did any playing what if? We're going to look at that. Many of you have heard me talk about my friend Moshe, who lives in the old city of Jerusalem. He wrote a commentary on the book of Ruth. And in his commentary, he starts out by saying, this book is misnamed. 
This should be called the book of Naomi and the main character is Ruth because it really tells the story of Naomi. She's the one we're going to look at this morning. We meet Elimelech, one of God's chosen people. He's from the most dominant tribe. We can't say in the country because this is the time of the judges. They aren't a central country yet. But he's the most dominant tribe. But he makes some bad choices. Looking back over 2021... Yeah, I probably made some bad choices. Looking back over the last couple years, we as a church may have made some bad choices. We're going to see where we go from there. In the days when the judges ruled. Do you remember the period of the judges? You don't want to. This is what the um, theology books call the dark days or the dark ages of the nation of Israel. It was a bad, bad time. I counted seven times in the book of Judges where it says God's people did whatever they felt like doing. And the Lord God was angry with his people. It's a dark age in Israel's history. Seven times when Israel, it says, did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Going on with that verse. And in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And there was a man from Bethlehem in Judah. Names are important in Scripture. Those of you who have been in Israel with me will remember that the word bet or beth means house. Okay? So Bethlehem is the house of bread. Judah means praise. Praise of God. Remember our young guide that we had who was named Yehuda? Praising God. But there's a famine in the land. There's no bread in the house of bread, and there's certainly no praise in Yehuda. It's a tough time. Was God being unfair with his people? Was God not providing as he had promised for his people? He lets a famine come in the land. Now, remember that this is a land that gets rain three months out of the year and nine months out of the year. It's dry. If you miss a winter rain, there's famine in the land because there's no crops. God was not being unfair because his people had turned away from him. So as we take this look back, as as we play what if, let's get that rule straight to start with. God's not unfair. Sometimes we're not faithful, but God always is. 
Ah. Because of rebellion in Israel, there was no bread in the house of bread. Circumstances. Hmm. The influence of circumstances. Anytime you ask somebody how they're doing and they say, pretty well under the circumstances, tell them to get out of there. We shouldn't be under the circumstances. Well, this guy was. Elimelech was under the circumstances. Hmm. If you were to ask Elimelech why he did what he did, he would probably say, well, under the circumstances, it's the best decision I could make. Why did he leave Bethlehem? Because he saw greener pastures across the Jordan over in the land of Moab. Rather than turning to God for his provision, as God had promised, he packed up and moved the family to Moab. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and the man from Bethlehem, together with his wife and his two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. You know, when we think of a famine, we think of a shortage of food, and that's exactly what was going on here. There wasn't enough food for them to eat. But there's other types of famine as well. You know, there's a physical famine. There's not enough rain to raise the crops, and so they're going hungry. That's what we're seeing here. But there's more. I pushed the button, sorry. There's more than that going on here. More than just the physical famine. In Deuteronomy, God had promised this. Listen to this. In the 11th chapter of Deuteronomy, be careful. Or you'll be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you. And he will shut up the heavens so that it will not rain and the ground will yield no produce. And you will soon perish from the good land the Lord is giving you. See, that was part of the promise. <laughs> that was part of God's promise. If you will serve me, if you will be faithful to me, this is going to be a land of milk and honey. This is going to be a land that's going to produce everything you could possibly want. We're going to talk about that next week as we look to the future. This morning we're looking back. But part of his promise was, if you don't, I won't. If you're not faithful to me, if you don't rely on me to produce what you need, then I'm not going to produce it. You can have to turn somewhere else. Hmm. Physical famine. Have you missed any of God's reigns in 2021? Jenny's back here shaking her head. No, it was a wet year. <laughs> we didn't miss many rains this year. But that's not what I'm talking about. Have you missed any of what God had planned for you 
as we look back and play what if in this past year? How would things be different if you'd made different decisions or had done that one thing differently? Physical hunger wasn't the only famine in the land. It was also a moral famine. The reason there was a physical famine was because there was a moral famine. The people were not faithful to God. Seven times through that book of Judges, I found a cycle. They start up here. And then they start looking at the bells. And they start worshiping the idols. And they start turning away from God. And their morality gets down to this point. And they cry, oh God, please be faithful to us. You promised us better than this. And God sends them a Savior, a judge, you know, a Gideon, a Samson, a Deborah, Barak, Ehud, all the great stories in the book of Judges. God sends them a Savior. And they follow that Savior and God starts blessing them and they come back up. But they never get to the point where they were to start with. And then pretty soon the cycle starts all over again. And God sends them another judge. And then they go down even lower. And that cycle and throughout the book of Judges happens seven times. And each time the people keeps getting lower and lower. And God sends them a Savior. And it doesn't last long. And they're following after idols again. We don't have idols in our homes. I don't. And yet, things that we rely on instead of relying on God. You know why Baal was such a great temptation? The Canaanite God, Baal? Because by the Canaanites' worship, by their standards, Baal was the one who produced grain, produced crops. And in a land where you've got to rely on God to produce crops, it's good to have another God in your hip pocket that somebody thinks produces crops. And they kept falling back to worshiping the Bells and the Ashtaroths and the Molochs and all the other gods. There was a moral famine. How do you react to your famine experience I'm sorry, let's try that again. How you react to your famine experience determines whether it becomes a time of blessing in your life or a time of devastation. How should Elimelech have responded to this time of famine? God was trying to get their attention, to get them to turn back to him, not to leave the country. And by the way, where did he go? Across the river to Moab. A ruthless, sick, idol-worshiping people who had no love for Israel whatsoever. You know, remember they're the ones who tried to attack Israel when they're out in their 40 years of wandering before they even get to the land? God said, there's nothing good about the Moabites. 
And yet, that's where they turned because they heard there was food in Moab, a moral famine. There was also a service famine. Why had God chosen a chosen people? Why was Abraham's family God's chosen people? You know, we, we throw that term out, but we've got to remember that if you're chosen, you've got to be chosen for something. Why were they chosen? For three things. There, there was three things that they were chosen for. But the one, one of the reasons that God chose the nation of Israel was that they were to be a blessing to all the nations around them. Hmm. Down, down, down. They never, never became a blessing to the people around them. Until the Messiah came and they didn't have anything to do with that. God said, I want you to be my representatives. So the world around you, when they look at the nation of Israel, will see Jehovah. They will see me when they look at you. Living Hope Missionary Church in Dunphy. That's exactly what God's saying to us this morning as well. I've chosen you. So that when the world around looks at you, their eyes are turned to me. Israel never did it. There was a famine of service. They never served their communities. They never served the world in the way that God intended for them to do. Hmm. You know, moving to Moab, this whole concept of moving to Moab doesn't really have to include a physical move. How many times in our lives have we moved to Moab? Instead of when tough, you know, when, when the paycheck is smaller than the month and the calendar... When the doctor's report isn't good. When your kids just don't pay any attention. I don't care if they're this big or this big. When times get tough, what's our reaction? Do we turn to a God that has promised to take care of us? Or do we move to Moab? Go get a second job. Okay, it means we can't go to church, but that's all right. You know, we, we tend to fill in the blank. We tend to solve things ourselves. You know, I'm, I'm a fix-it person. I like to fix things. And God says, rely on me. I'll fix it for you. Some of us, it's kind of hard to take. Okay, Consequences. A move to Moab 
Oh, I got ahead of myself. He made desperate choices, Elimelech did. He made desperate choices. Living under the circumstances led him to make some really poor choices. God said, stay and believe. He said, I'm gone. Together with his wife and his two sons, they went to live for a while in the country of Moab. Went to live for a while in the country of Moab. Did you catch it later on? What was a while? Ten years was the while that he went to live in Moab. He made some desperate choices. He chose to leave. God didn't send him. God didn't say, go to Moab for a while because there's food over there. Like he had done with Abraham down in Egypt. Remember, God said, go down there, there's, there's some food down there, then you can come back. No, Elimelech chose to leave. Together with his wife and two sons, they went to live in Moab. Moab is a picture of sin in this story. They chose to live in sin rather than rely on God. His two sons, did you ever see strange names? And again, Bible names are sometimes quite important to the story. You know what his sons' names mean? Sickly and wasting away. Wouldn't you name your kids that? Unless they were. These were sick boys, never healthy, always had disease problems, always were weaker than the other kids. Elimelech understood God's judgment, even within his own family. Hmm. He chose to leave. Today we would say Elimelech's family was backsliding. You know, they chose to not do what God had told them to do. And as we play what if, looking back over this past year, this past couple years, there have been times when you have been backslidden. A little, you know, just a slide. We, we talk about sliding because it sounds better. They chose to leave. And then they chose to live there. They chose to leave God. And then they chose to live there in Moab amongst people who were disdained by God, people who worshipped other idols, cruel people. But for some reason, Elimelech thought that was better than turning back to God. We don't think straight sometimes. You know, when we're playing what if, we don't always think straight. But God was faithful even when they weren't. But the amazing thing is, look at verse 3. 
Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. And they married the Moabite women, as we talked about. And they had lived there about ten years. They not only chose to live there, they chose to linger. It's one thing to get on the wrong website and see things on the website that you really shouldn't be looking at. It's a totally different thing to look them up. See what else you can find. You know, it's one thing to let a wrong word slip out once in a while when you're around other people. It's a whole different thing when that becomes your vocabulary. Too often when we chose to live there, we tend to linger. We tend to stay there a while. And as we're looking back over 2021, maybe a few years before, where have you lingered? Yeah, you chose to live there, but where have you stayed way too long? That was Elimelech's family's problem. He chose to linger. The trouble with a temporary move away from God is that it can be extended for a long time. When they went to Moab, I will guarantee you that none of them would have said, we'll still be here ten years from now. But sometimes it's just easy to linger where we know we shouldn't be. All right. Harsh consequences. What happened because of what they did? How would their life have been different if they hadn't done what they did? What they did led to harsh consequences. Poor spiritual choices always I don't have many definites that I say, but I'll say this one. Poor spiritual choices always lead to bad consequences. And then we wonder why we are where we are. The move before the move. Now, don't get confused with my wording here. The move before the move. I don't believe that Elimelech woke up one morning and said, I'm going to abandon God, let's go to Moab. I think it was a long, drawn-out process. How did he know there was food in Moab? Well, he was listening to somebody or maybe even made a trip over to check it out. Brought some food back for his family and then over time, a process of just like that process in the book of Judges. They just kept getting lower and lower. Too many times in our lives, that can be the way it is. The process just keeps getting low. We die a little bit at a time, 
a little, our relationship with God dies just a little bit at a time until finally they move to Moab. The move before the move. Hmm. And I think there was death before they died. Before Elimelech died, before his two sons died, I think there was a slow death. Their relationship with God was dying one step at a time until they were finally gone. Now, I don't profess to say that there's anybody in this building this morning that's dead. But I look back over in my own life and think, not a good choice. Did that choice help my relationship with my Lord? Not always. And if you're honest with yourself, you'd probably say the same thing. A little, little death, a little bit of dying, getting sick, dying, until we get to the point where the relationship is gone. I don't think we're there, I hope. <laughs> but we've got to keep our eyes open, see the signs when they show up. The six sons were called to repent and turn to the Lord. Instead, they turned their back on God, and the result was death. They died. Hmm. Okay, so all of this leads to defeat. Once they're in Moab, what in the world was their incentive to go home? Just give up and stay here. That appears to be what's happening because they stayed there for 10 years. It wasn't, oh, we wish we were back in our relationship with God. We wish we were back in Bethlehem in that house of bread where God promised to supply for us. Boy, we wish we were back. I don't think they ever said that. So for 10 years, they just were defeated and stayed where they were. I think there's a lot of people in this country today that are defeated. Don't know where to turn. We were talking in the first hour about the church in Rome. And the conditions in the city of Rome were prime because people were looking for some place to turn. And the world wasn't supplying it for them. Elimelech's family was defeated. The men were dead and the women didn't know where to turn. Starting verse 6, read with me. When she heard in Moab, now this is talking about Naomi, when she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Intentional change. Did you catch it? 
I love the terminology. They prepared to go back. Sunday mornings. When you get here on Sunday morning, are you ready to worship? Or are you still fighting about the argument you had in the car on the way here? How much do we prepare for God? You've heard me tell this before, but one of the times I was in Israel working on a job, the little electrician I had, he only stood about this high, young, good Jewish electrician. His English was much better than my uh, Hebrew, so we hand signals and so on and, and pointing, and we, we got along pretty well. And I asked him one time, Zamir, we're getting behind on the job, and I knew what the answer was going to be. We're getting behind on the job. What's the chances of getting you to work Friday? Now remember, their weekend is Friday and Saturday. Sunday's a work day. No. I said, I need you. We need to get caught up here. Now here, we just do it. No. Because Shabbat begins at sundown on Friday. I understand that. Can I get you to work Friday morning? I'm leaving at noon. I'll work Friday morning, but I'm leaving at noon. Okay, I understand that. I said, what, what makes Shabbat so special? Shabbat is Hebrew for Sabbath. Okay. What makes it so special to you? And he said, you don't understand the reason that Friday afternoon is so critical for us is that Friday afternoon is preparation for Shabbat. The Sabbath would not be special if we weren't prepared for it. How many of you spend a half a day preparing to worship the Lord on Sunday morning? I've never forgotten. You know, this was, what, six, seven years ago. And I've never forgotten little Zamir telling me that, that it's so special because we prepare for it. It's intentional. Intentional change. We're going back. Naomi's family was not going to change unless they prepared to do it and then did it. Intentional change. They went back with opened eyes. They saw that there was food, that God was being true to His promise. He had provided rain. There was food in Israel and they went with open eyes Back, not just to the land, but to their God. With open eyes and an open heart, they were prepared to return. Hmm. And then, with an open return. What in the world does that mean? 
she was prepared. She left the place where she had been and she did an intentional act of going back where she should have been all along. I loved the timeline wall that we built down in the basement. Stuck all those little stickers on the wall of what happened in this church over the years. Segmented it off in 10-year periods and stuck, this was good and this wasn't good and this was good and this wasn't good. And you know what surprised, didn't surprise me, what, what I noticed about that is there were more green stickers than red. God has blessed this church over the years. But there were times when we were in Moab. There were times when we weren't trusting and God didn't seem to be blessing the same. And I dare say that if I would make that wall for my life, it would look kind of similar. There were times when, there's a lot of green stickers, but there were times when it turned kind of red. Where I had gone away and hadn't made that intentional return. I guess that's my prayer this morning. For me, for this church, that we would make an intentional return to the God who's promised us wonderful things. I'm so looking forward to when this new pastor comes, who he's going to be. You know, these are exciting times. Next week, we're going to look forward. This is kind of dreary stuff this morning, huh? Well, we got to do some looking back. we got to do some real examining of ourselves before we can look forward. And next week, we're going to look forward to the coming year instead of looking back at 2021. What if? What if the choices we had made this year had been different? Would there be 50 people in the pews instead of 25? I don't know. What if? What if we'd made an intentional choice to change? I think we have. I'm looking forward to see the results. Next week, we're going to look at looking forward instead of looking back. Mary... Did you know? Did you really know? Yeah, God had sent you a messenger and explained all these things to you, but you're a teenage girl. 20 years later, did you really know? 30 years later, were you still convinced? God promised you great things, and then... He's talking about dying. You're hearing these reports coming out of Capernaum. Boy, they sound good, but can you really believe what's on the internet? Oh, I guess Mary didn't look that way, but... Mary, did you know that this baby boy 
would save our sons and daughters. I'm so glad you sang that. Did you know? Do we really understand sometimes the promises that God's given us? Let's look forward to next week. Let's look forward to looking forward to what God's got for us in 2022. Father, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the promises and sometimes for the punishments. We thank you that you're a faithful God to us if we're faithful to you. Lord, as we look back, I think it's a good thing that we see where maybe we've gone wrong. And sometimes we've done right and you've been there to bless us. Lord, continue to bless this church, these people, as we look forward to you in this coming year. Because we pray in your name. Amen.